0: Stay tuned for the golden days of radio in just one minute. When you're driving in your car and want to smoke a good cigar, should you light it where you are, make up your mind. Now, if you're smart, you'll wait until your car is parked or or standing still. Unless you have some time to kill, make up your mind.
1: This is Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. of the FBI television series. What's in a name? If your friends call you Randy, chances are your name is really Randolph, which means house wolf or protector. In ancient days, the wolf was esteemed for courage, and thus the wolf emblem was painted on war shields. As a private, you may never carry a war shield, but you'll be interested to know that originally the privates carried the personal papers and military documents of the general officers. What's in a name?
0: On this program, we are featuring Mr. Boris Karloff with soundtrack excerpts from many of the most famous monster pictures and horror films of all time. You know, October is traditionally Halloween month, the time when spooks and hobgoblins are out to get you. The most famous monster of all time was the Frankenstein monster, created by the late Boris Karloff. In 1967, Mr. Karloff paid a visit to Milt Larsen's Magic Castle here in Hollywood, and I talked with him about his career. We have with us one of the most famous motion picture stars of all time. Boris Karloff, welcome to Weekend World. That's
1: very kind of you. I hardly recognize myself for that introduction. <laughs> well, it's all
0: true, and tonight uh, they're honoring uh, your new DECA album. Yes, I believe. It's boris Kar- an evening with Boris Karloff and his friends. That's right, that's right. Would you like to tell us a little bit about Well, I,
1: I haven't really had the opportunity of hearing it yet, but I know I do a narration, which I did last year, over the original soundtracks of actors and old films that I was in in the earlier days. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm told it's very, very good and very nostalgic.
0: Well, this starts out with uh, one of the early films you did, Frankenstein. As yes, a matter of fact. yes. That was the first film you did, isn't it? Oh, yes,
1: yes. I, I was only in the... Uh, I only played the monster three times in the first three films. Mm-hmm. Frankenstein, bride of Frankenstein and the son of Frankenstein.
0: You keep quite active for, uh, for a person who's I'm
1: getting to be a public scandal my time of <laughs> life with a leg brace and half a lung uh-huh. but um, I think it's my obligation to go on working as long as I can because every time I do, I provide employment for a fleet of doubles. <laughs> so,
0: so. You, you commute between Hollywood and yes, London. You yes, yes. You live in London most yes, of the time, yes, and you come yeah. here for films. It's wonderful.
1: I, it's not only that, but I see all my old friends, because I was here for a good many years.
0: Forrest Ackerman, who wrote the notes, uh, yes. the uh, uh, cover notes for this album. And uh, I know this will be released throughout Europe, and uh, we hope that all the Weekend World listeners look forward to, uh, to having it on their own record player.
1: I hope they'll enjoy it.
0: Boris Karloff, I want to thank you for joining me this afternoon.
1: Not at all. Vampires, werewolves, ghouls, ghosts. Mummies that come back to life after 3,000 years. Can such things be? Well, I've spent a lifetime doing my best to persuade you at least for an hour or two in a darkened theatre that there are things that go bump in the night and raise a lump in your throat, a hard knot of terror. The first great fright film of the talking era was, of course, Dracula. Three sinister syllables forever synonymous with Bela Lugosi he played the role a thousand times or more on the legitimate stage before transferring it to the screen. And his fame spread from Transylvania where he was born to become a household word. Hear that magnetic voice again now as Bela Lugosi speaks to you from the past and introduces himself. I am Dracula. I bid you welcome. To them, Children of the night. What music they make. The spider spinning his web for the unwary fly. The blood is the life, Mr. Renfield. I trust you have kept your coming here a secret.
2: I followed your instructions implicitly.
1: Excellent, Mr. Renfield. Excellent. I hope you will find this comfortable. Thanks. It looks very inviting. This is very old wine. I hope you will like it. Aren't you drinking? I never drink. Why? It's delicious. And now, I'll leave you. Good night, Mr. Trenfield. Blood curdling, I'd say. Author Bram Stoker knew whereof he spoke when he wrote, The Blood is the Power. A powerful melodrama of the macabre, Dracula, the vampire film classic of 1931. But the movie-makers showed the movie-goers no mercy that year. Their Christmas present was as grisly a story of science gone wrong as was ever put on the screen. In 1818, the immortal book about a man who made a monster was born in the young female brain of one Mary Wollstonecraft Shelley. And over a hundred years later, the genius of her imagination ...was transferred to the medium of the motion picture. I was the misshapen creature in those depression days of 1931... ...that had to compete with Father Christmas to bring pleasure to people during Yuletide. But somehow it worked. People queued up at box offices all over the country, breaking records. And afterwards it was evident that millions all over the world felt sympathy for the monster... It was clear from the letters they sent that, while they were terrified by my characterization, at the same time they pitied the monster that I portrayed. And that pleased me because it was exactly what I had hoped. How I came to be built is graphically described in this dramatic scene in which you will hear the voices of three fine actors. Dr. Henry Frankenstein, portrayed by Colin Clive, who died in the late 30s, Dwight Fry, who played in Dracula as well and died in the mid-40s, and Dr. Waldman, played by the late and venerable Edward Van Sloan, who passed away not too long ago in his 82nd year.
2: The brain you stole, Fritz. Think of it. The brain of a dead man, waiting to live again in a body I made with my own hands. With my own hands. Dr. Valman, I learned a great deal from you at the university about the violet ray, the ultraviolet ray, which you said was the highest color in the spectrum. You were wrong. Here in this machinery, I have gone beyond that. I have discovered the great ray that first brought life into the world. Oh, and your proof? Tonight you shall have your proof. At first I experimented only with dead animals, and then a human heart which I kept beating for three weeks. But now. I'm going to turn that ray on that body and endow it with life. And you really believe that you can bring life to the dead? That body is not dead. It has never lived. I created it. I made it with my own hands from the bodies I took from graves, from the gallows, anywhere. Quite a good scene, isn't it? One man crazy, Three very sane spectators.
1: From a creature put together from bits and pieces of dead tissue, as you've just heard, and unfortunately equipped with a criminal brain. I turn next, portraying a terror character for which there was no precedent. Played once again by Edward Van Sloan, veteran of Dracula and Frankenstein, the old Egyptologist warned of sacrilege and punishment in these potent words. Death, eternal punishment for anyone who opens this casket. But there is always some foolhardy soul who will dare to open a Pandora's box. And when the young anthropologist in the film did, I came to life with this disastrous result for him. Yes, I went for a little walk and that year and in years soon after in the old dark house the black cat and the raven I went for other little walks that somehow always panicked people and then in 1935 I met Miss Elsa Lanchester in the scream heard around the world. that was the reaction from mrs lawton when she was introduced to me in the bride of frankenstein and that was the voice of the late ernest fessiger playing the peculiar dr pretorius i found my voice in this sequel and mumbled a few lines perhaps you'd like to hear them again and now for our lesson remember this is breath, breath. Huh. Right. And this is wine. To drink. 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 Good. Good. We are friends, you and I. Friends. Friends. (laughs) Good. Good. Before you came, I was all alone. It is bad to be alone. Alone,
2: bad. Friend, good. Friend, good. <laughs> <laughs> now, <laughs> now
1: come here. And what is this? <sighs> this is wood for the fire. Wood. <laughs> <laughs> and this is fire. No, no, fire is good. Fire, no good. No, There is good, and there is bad. Good, bad. Ah. But in the end, I decided my reluctant bride and I were better off dead. And told Colin Clive so in no uncertain terms.
2: I can't leave them. I can't. Yes, go. You live. Go. You stay. We belong dead.
1: I really thought they'd done me in that time. Oh, what an explosion! But four years later, they had me back in harness. And I do mean harness. For I assure you, my friends, that makeup was heavy in The Son of Frankenstein. Purists insist that the name Frankenstein refers only to the doctor who created the monster. But it was in this film that the doctor's son himself established the authority for calling the monster Frankenstein when he brooded audibly about the fact that the villagers in the vicinity of his father's laboratory now made his father's name synonymous with his deadly creation. In one part of the picture, the late Lalo Latwal recalls just how deadly. Most vivid recollection of my life. I was a child at the time. About the age of your own son, Herr Berylman. The monster had escaped and was ravaging the countryside, killing, maiming, terrorizing. One night, he burst into our house. My father took a
2: gun and fired at him. And the savage brute sent him crashing to a corner. Then he grabbed me by the arm. one doesn't easily forget here
1: baron an arm torn out by the roots the boiling sulfur bath that i took at the end of the Son of frankenstein was hardly a health cure and it was the last time i ever played my old friend the monster but there were other monsters for me and for my friends as well In 1935, when I was appearing in The Bride of Frankenstein, I remember a very talented New York stage actor was making his debut on the lot in The Werewolf of London. That was Henry Hull, and his portrayal of the lycanthrope was remarkable. But it was The Wolfman of 1941, starring Lon Chaney the Younger, that really established lycanthropes as a genre. As the doomed Larry Talbot, he played a role that would have done credit to his dad. Incidentally, I knew Cheney Sr., the original makeup wizard, the man of a thousand faces. But young Lon never had a chance in The Wolfman. Here's why, in a film quote that's become as classic as He meddled with things man was meant to leave alone, or I never drink wine. Even a man who is pure in heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf when the wolfbane blooms and the autumn moon is bright. And when it was all over for Larry Talbot, when he had fought against werewolfery for the last time and lost, had been killed by a silver-headed cane, his epitaph was spoken by one of the cinema's grand old ladies of the past, Maria Uspenskaya.
2: The way you walked was thorny, through no fault of your own. But as the rain enters the soil, the river enters the sea, so tears run to a predestined end. Your suffering is over. Now you will find peace for eternity.
1: And finally, an echo from 1945, when I played Dr. Neiman, disguised as Dr. Lampini in The House of Frankenstein. I'd acquired the skeleton of the infamous Count Dracula in that one. And this is what I had to say on the subject. No doubt there are some among you who will doubt the truth of what I'm about to say or doubt the reality of what you're about to see. But believe me, my friends, this is no fate. Before your very eyes is all that remains of a vampire, one of the world's undead. dare I but remove this stake from where his heart once beat and he would rise from the grave within which he lies and turn into a bat, a vampire bat, who would feed hideously upon the living whose veins pulsate with warm and vibrant blood. Ladies and gentlemen, the actual skeleton of Count Dracula, the vampire. Furthermore, my friends, one single ray of sunlight falling upon a vampire will destroy him. That, my friends, draws to a close my reminiscences and recorded excerpts of highlights from a golden age of gothic terror. When Frankenstein and Dracula, the Wolfman and Imhotep were young, well, comparatively. And when many great practitioners of the macabre, now gone to their rewards, were enacting roles which earned them undying honours in Fright Films' Hall of Fame. I hope I've engendered a pleasant baker's dozen of shudders in you, reminded you of the rich vein of imaginative lore to be mined from vintage reels of screen tales of terror, and outright frightened you a bit, for that was surely what you wanted, wasn't it? With some of my own weird characterizations and memorable excursions into the strange and eerie by my fellow film prayers in the field of the fearful. And so, until we meet again, may all your nightmares have happy endings in the final reel. Good night, and sleep well.
0: That wraps up this edition of the Golden Days of Radio. I hope you've enjoyed the past half hour. This is Frank Brzee in Hollywood, California, inviting you to join me next time for more great moments from radio programs of the past. This is the American Forces Radio and Television Service.